She shows that women can be daring and brave. Welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This week, we're talking to Christy Guevara Flanagan, director of the documentary Wonder Women, the untold story of American superheroines. And we'll wrap up our week in geek with what we're watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game On Girl. I won't lie, I fangirl a lot of the time about the guests we have on the show, and today is no different. Christy Guevara Flanagan, director of Wonder Women, joins us on the show today. As many of our listeners know, Wonder Women holds a special place in my personal history and a lot of shelf space in my guest room, like a ridiculous amount of Wonder Woman paraphernalia adorns my house. (laughs) I'm delighted to have Christy here with us today to talk about the documentary and the companion game Wonder City. Welcome to the show, Christy. Thank you. Nice to be here. We're glad to have you. Very excited, yes. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about your background and your inspiration for Wonder Women? Well, I'm a documentary filmmaker, and I also teach film and video at a community college. I think I came to this concept for the film from a lot of different directions. My previous film, Going on 13, I followed four girls from when they were ages 9 to 13. And one thing that became really apparent to me was just, you know, how much pop culture influences them and how much it surrounds their daily life in in different ways. And kind of being a little surprised at the kinds of images that were being reflected back to them at what I felt like was a pretty young age, you Mm -hmm. know, nine and 10 years old were some images of women and girls that I I didn't think, you know, it wasn't that they weren't appropriate. I just didn't think that they were very uplifting. (laughs) Yeah, I can, I can see how that would be the case. Um, what little I know about this topic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the Bratz dolls were really popular yes. when I was uh, making that film. Yeah. And, um, and also just as a teacher, sort of thinking about the ways that gender influences my classroom, I, I tend to have more boys than girls, especially for my more production-oriented classes. Mm-hmm. And it's always this, a, a struggle or a challenge to get the young women to um, kind of jump in and, and grab the cameras or the lights or, or even, you know, drive the computer as opposed to either following directions or just stepping in front of the camera and being the actor for the group projects. Mm, And yeah, so I was, I was just kind of thinking about all these things. And then I read an article in the New York times that mentioned Gail Simone. And at that point she just come on board to write the wonder woman comics for DC. And one of the things it mentioned, not only was she coming to comics as a hairdresser, which I thought was pretty cool, cool yeah <laughs> untraditional route yeah definitely um it mentioned that you know wonder woman had never really been penned by a woman she'd yeah. been obviously created by a man but in her very long career you know over 60 years there's never really been a woman guiding her storyline and something about that just struck me. And I remember cutting out the article and um, putting it away. And then, you know, maybe a couple weeks later, 
Wikipedia Wonder Woman and 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 researching her origins, which I didn't really know too much about. And that's when things really started snowballing and, and gathering momentum for me. I found this character who created her, William Walt Marston, just mm-hmm. really fascinating, um, c- controversial for a lot of different reasons. Mm, yeah. And and but also sort of ahead of his time and doing something that when I read those early Wonder Woman comics that he'd created in the 40s and written in the 40s, I felt like, wow, this is still, you know, we still don't have female heroes like this that right. are at the center of their own mythologies that are have a lot of healthy relationships with other women let alone their mothers mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly that's very true and is, is yeah and is clearly the one in charge and always saving the day at the end of you know at the end of the plot line mm-hmm. so it was it was I felt like it was pretty radical what he was writing there and and that we still don't have those kinds of heroes for women and girls. And that just kind of sent me on a quest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found a really interesting pattern in Wonder Woman's career, sort of her ups and downs, um, moments where she was more empowered and, and then less empowered. And when you kind of put that side by side with what was happening culturally to us as a country, you know, you could see connections you can see connections yeah mm-hmm. and that's, that's when it got really exciting and i i was able to um begin to imagine a film right coming out of that well i i don't know if you listened to our, our episode where we talked about watching uh wonder women but i was going to write my dissertation originally about female superheroes <laughs> That was my plan. <laughs> and then I got into my dissertation and my PhD program and I started to do gaming instead because it was very new and shiny at the time. Um, but I've always held Wonder Woman in, in great esteem. And part of what is gracing my shelves in my guest room are um, the first two collections of the early comic books. And I remember going back and looking at those and looking at some of the modern ones that friends had gifted me over the years. And I was like, these are not the same people. <laughs> like These are not the same characters there's there's very different things going on between these two like times it was like some more of the 80s that I had been reading you know in 40 years there had been quite a change in what had sort of happened to her as a story yeah well I think you know a lot of people really don't know her story and that she has many times been left by the wayside or or even the writers themselves don't know what to do with her it's almost like they just can't imagine a woman in that kind of a leadership role Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think that is quite possibly the case and, and makes me very sad. Well, I don't, I definitely don't want to get off the subject of the film, but I do want to step back a little bit because um, documentaries are extremely fascinating to me when they're, um, they're good. They're just um, a joy to watch. I love documentaries. When you uh, started out with your film career, is doc, are documentaries what you wanted to make? Oh, wow. Um... I don't think I knew what I wanted to make. I actually came to filmmaking pretty early on. It's kind of a funny story in that I was a ninth grader, I believe, and signed up at my local rec center for a class in filmmaking. And I was the only student. (laughs) Oh, And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just had this great teacher who would show me how to use a camera. And and at that point, it was a Super 8 camera. Mm Mm-hmm. So you had to wait for the film to be developed. Right, right. You're not looking at it immediately. <laughs> right. No instant gratification. Yeah. 
and just kind of helped me come up with ideas and brainstorm and and ultimately just let me lead the way, you know, like you, this is what you want to do. I'm going to support you in your vision. And so it was somewhat observational. Like I just ran around with the camera filming stuff I thought was neat to look at. And I think that core interest in filmmaking has never, you know, is always sort of the main draw for me. Um, I've done some more kind of experience experimental stuff and I've done one short narrative but <laughs> mostly documentary documentaries seem to be fun at one point because the way especially the way that you describe it in that you find a particular topic interesting and you kind of just let it lead you but at the same time I mean I can't imagine the massive amount of material that you've got to pull together and then organize did that for Wonder Women in particular, did that kind of thing just fall into place? Did you did you see a step-by-step step, or did you uh, look back at the end with all this gathered material and put together a film? Well, I think that's that's always one of the more harrowing aspects of documentary filmmaking is that you're out there collecting all this material and then you have to make sense of it all. And, and with... I think every documentary has its challenges, especially in regards to this. I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to cover, but I was what was the hard part for this film was really getting the right balance because it's partly historical. It's mm -hmm. partly, you know, quoting from the comic books and the TV shows and the films. We have moments where we come to present day, we call our everyday heroes that tell it, you know, that really show us how they get inspiration from Wonder Woman and other superheroes. And so making that thread balance so that one wasn't kind of like teetering in another direction and that it wasn't too heavy handed or, or interview driven. It had some life and breath to it and some fun as well. I mean, when comic books are fun. Yeah. <laughs> should yeah. be fun mm -hmm. so it's critiquing it at the same time it's it's having fun with it and and giving you a history lessons and a history lesson and so it was all about the balance and and that was that was pretty hard that was pretty challenging well i've got i've got to say you achieved it though yeah absolutely it, it's brilliantly balanced yeah mm. it is it, it really is uh, that's that's one of the i think the um one of the outstanding characteristics about the documentary i just was i was thrilled with the organization of the information and the way it all tied together, and it did cover, to me, it was it was just a beautiful book with these fence posts in it that wrapped itself up just beautifully. It was very well done. That's part of the reason why we're thrilled to have you on the show. It's, it was a beautiful piece of work. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much. And really, and, and one of the things I appreciated the most was the acknowledgement of how personal she is for so many people or how personal Wonder Woman yeah. is for so many people and for so many women and how she's sort of internalized in different ways. And that was a really nice aspect to have been included because you could just focus on the history. You could just focus on the comics or, you know, what happened or how she's seen or, you know, the evolution of the character. But to see how she sort of acts out in people's lives. Right. I mean, that was early on. That was just one of the things that really caught my attention was that everybody had a Wonder Woman story. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, I think because of the Linda Carter TV show, yep. she's, she's very widely known. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and most people had, you know, had some connection to her at mm-hmm. some point in their lives and, and a pretty strong and dynamic one. Oh, no, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I still have memories of uh, spinning in front of the TV watching <laughs> Wonder Woman. So, and I have, it- I have the boots in my closet. <laughs> Yeah, I have my I have my red boots that wear all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, uh, it looked like that you m- might have visited some cons as part of the um, research. Is that true? That is true. We went to a, a number of cons uh, part as part of research, as part of connecting with her fans, um, her active fans, because <laughs> mm-hmm. there's fans, and then there's people that are really out there actively embracing Wonder Woman and. And to also take the pulse of the comic community. Um, One, I guess, in going back to your question earlier, one thing we didn't know about the film was kind of where we were going to stop and how we were going to make Wonder Woman relevant for today. Mm. When, you know, the, the audience that reads comic books is much smaller than the audience that watched the TV show and, right. and watches big major motion blockbusters. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were partly out there trying to figure that out too. And we went to San Diego Comic-Con twice and New York Comic-Con and WonderCon, which is out was out here in San Francisco. I went there a couple times cuz mm-hmm. that's where I'm located. Mhm. And it was great. You know, the first time we went, we were just filming anybody in a Wonder Woman costume. And, and then we were interviewing anybody in a Wonder Woman costume and, and going to some of the wonderful panels they have in the comic arts field where people are doing literary criticism around comic books. And again, that's one of the things that excited me about this subject matter was taking something that's kind of deemed lowbrow, like comic books, yep. and using them to actually pose some some pretty sophisticated philosophical questions. And there were a lot of people, you know, I wasn't the first, certainly. There were a lot of people whose work uh, we relied on and we were finding out about them often at these panels at Comic-Cons. Yeah, well, that's, I, I loved it. I feel like I do the same thing with games. <laughs> it's the same basic idea of take the newest technology and media and dismiss it as, you know, fluff and not very important. But yet it has this great impact on people's lives and and really changes your point of view and if a character can do that in any kind of medium then it's valuable important and needs to be acknowledged so i think that that makes sense that you'd find that in comic books yeah yeah i mean there's this sort of interesting chicken and egg because Mm -hmm. you know at the one time it's reflecting back to us our our mainstream values and at the other time there's moments of kind of great progression and and true inspiration that that push at you know what we think about ourselves and and each other so there's there's an interesting tension there between those two points in in things like games and comic books Mm -hmm. action films yeah i was curious as to who was able to arrange the interviews with Linda Carter and uh, Helen Gurley Brown? Well, we, you know, we're a pretty small company (laughs) (laughs) and really just like tenacity. I mean, it was us uh, arranging the interviews, but it was just over a matter of time. And the, the big names in our film, Linda Carter and, you know, even Lindsay Wagner. Lindsay Wagner, yeah. Gloria Steinem. um, They... Oh, Gloria Steinem. 
know, I'm sorry. I said, <laughs> did you say it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it, it takes, it takes time. Like you got to build towards them at the same point. At the same time, we knew, like, we didn't have a film if we didn't have Linda Carter or Gloria Steinem. Like, mm. they're essential characters to yeah. Wonder Woman's story, of course. Yeah. So we just, you know, every day kind of chipped away asking if anybody knew anybody who could get us in touch with them. Because these people have handlers and agents and publicists right. who are the gatekeepers and their job is to keep, you know, people away. And yeah, the people health. you have to talk through talk through <laughs> to get to the other person. Right. And yeah. if you're not known to them, you might as well forget it. So you have to get somebody that knows somebody um, to help you. And I think I had met Lindsay Wagner at a Comic-Con and that actually helped get Linda Carter eventually. And then for Gloria Steinem, one of our funders happened to know her personally. And, you know, we were, we were pretty desperate at that point, just asking anybody who was related to us tangentially if they had an in. And finally we got there. Oh, that awesome. must have been very exciting. It was. It was amazing. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm sitting here kind of in awe of just <laughs> thinking about what it would be like to make those connections and how important networking is to yeah, successful projects the interviews were extremely dynamic mm-hmm. and 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 passionate and so th- that in part is the person doing the interviewing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um how long did you have with each of them well we, we never have that long probably about 45 minutes of actual interview and you know probably an hour to set up while they're doing something else <laughs> And and everybody's very gracious. I mean, Gloria Steinem was was just you know let us into her house and and um, let us take a, a significant amount of time and set up, and then was very patient when I was interviewing her. And um, it's it's definitely intimidating, but it's it's also what's exciting for me as a filmmaker is talking to these people and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I just Gloria Steinem was 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 incredible to interview because she's just so smart and and relatable at the same time. You know, she really kind of speaks from her own. I just I, I sometimes you interview people and they sound like they're answering the same question. You know, they're answering the same way that they've answered the question. Over yeah, again. like it's a recording of themselves. Right. And, you know? and it, yeah kind of has to be the case with anybody you interview that they're going to have been asked these questions before anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people are just uh, more gracious and accommodating at not making it sound like that and not making you sound like an idiot for asking the same question that was that has been asked repeatedly throughout their lives <laughs> so and then it was it was kind of later in the film making process after we'd actually edited the first half of the film we realized that we needed a really strong interviewee somebody that was kind of like the equivalent of Gloria Steinem but for a more modern generation and that's when we came upon you know well we need a somebody that was an eyewitness to the riot girl movement and and ultimately got Kathleen Hanna who just added the exact like amount of fire we needed mm-hmm. yes the second half of the film and and she was great to interview in a really different way because she was very uncensored and um 
you know, strongly opinionated and not afraid to just, you know, say some things that um, are aggressive and maybe even antagonistic sometimes. And but it's it makes you think. And she's also incredibly smart as well. So yeah, all all the interviews were I grew a lot. <laughs> those people. Well, and that's that's a good part of the balance you were talking about as well with having, you know, more fiery and and more controlled and and kind of mixing that in as you're creating the documentary, at least I would imagine it would be, Mm, you know, part of what makes it and gives it the balance that we might not necessarily directly pick up on as viewers, but but you experience emotionally, you see the kind of up and down of it. Yeah, and the other, we definitely, yeah, I remember thinking as I was editing, you know, the the high points and the low points, you know, Mm -hmm. we need those two to contrast with each other so that we we're going on this, this journey that's going to have an emotional impact. And it's Mm -hmm. hard to have a story that's going to have an emotional impact when there's no central character that is a real human (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and then the other thing we wanted to do was we we didn't we wanted to make sure people felt understood that this is still a really big issue today but we also wanted to leave on a positive or in in a direction where people felt like there was some kind of modeling of what we should be doing out Mm -hmm. there you know to better better the kinds of representations we see so so that was an important part of the balance that's what I tell my students is the call to action. <laughs> yeah. You know, what you, what you want them, what you want your reader to do when they're finished reading your research paper on whatever topic you're researching, what you want them to go forth and do. And it, it hurts when that's missing, we've discovered. Yeah, we've talked about it on the show before. And that was that was another thing I was going to mention about the how the, the completeness of the film. I mean, when it was over, I was energized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, too. good. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. I was definitely energized and it made me want to do something. I wasn't quite sure what, but that's that's where we pick up. You, mm-hmm. Each individual creative mind then is, you know, what are you going to do with this information? And uh, it's exactly what, you know, what you needed to have a positive impression about the top. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, thank you. So I'm very I'm curious because you guys launched a a companion game, Wonder City, that goes with the documentary. So can you give me a little bit of an idea about like how you were inspired to to do that? Because I I love I love the game. I've played it through once entirely and one time partially. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just fantastic in the way it's designed and the choices you have to make and everything. So cool. Yeah, that's very cool to hear. Um, We I think for me in the back of my mind, I was interested in the ideas around well, I was interested in gaming as part of the pop cultural, you know, potpourri that is in our life today. Mm -hmm. And that has, you know, men and women and depictions along gender roles. But I just, you know, we couldn't get into it in the film. Right. So I kind of always wanted to play around with the idea of a game. And it just seemed like originally our game was gonna was something very simple you know, you just get to create your own female superhero, give it a name and, and decide what kind of global, what kind of, what kind of superpower they would have and what kind of global action they would be sort of involved with. Mm -hmm. But of course, as, as many ideas are worked on, they become more nuanced and complex. We had fun with the game. We kind of approached it in a very different way from 
the film and I thought, you know, where does the film leave off? Um, what's, what is the call to action? You know, what mm-hmm. do we want our young people to take away from this? And what are really specific ways in which women and girls can make a difference And we felt like as we sort of brainstormed that women and girls really need to be encouraged to step into the roles of leadership and need to practice models of leading Mm. and being heroes. So it was always related to, you know, hero is a leader. Right. Um, And and knowing also that there's completely different styles of leadership and heroism and and also wanting to expand upon what those traits are. So, and, and then we started looking at the games that were out there that were targeted for girls. And yeah, they're just pathetic. I mean, wow. it's just, it's it got, so sad. Yeah, when it got to the preteen world, which is a world I'm really familiar with because of my previous film, right. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, they, it was all just so schlocky and about makeovers and, mm-hmm. you know, Shoes. collecting boyfriends and and yeah yeah, um yeah just accessories and social hierarchy jumping it was it was a lot of really yeah you know just gross stuff out there um so we felt like well if those are the games that are targeted to girls and if all the other games mostly have a male protagonist you know what is that saying to girls who are into gaming and that that you know all girls are into gaming just about, especially around that age. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's just not enough options out there for them. So we were like, what does our film want to say? Or what is our film, what kinds of actions does our film, you know, beg for at the end of it? And and how can we take a piece of that and, and work on it in a game? So we always wanted it to be about a superhero. So you have to play as a female superhero. Mm-hmm. And it's really about you know, figuring out what kind of hero you're going to be, kind of building those leadership skills in in some real ways. So just sort of, you know, on the school ground and amongst friends, and then some extraordinary ways, because you're a superhero and and strange things are happening in this alternate universe. Yeah, and you have all these powers. And well, it's it's a little like adolescence in general. (laughs) You might not actually have superpowers, but your regular powers are all kinds of awkward anyway. (laughs) And, and everything's burgeoning, right? Right, exactly. And everything's coming up and you're, you know, kind of going through this metamorphosis and you don't really know what it all means. So it's a good metaphor for that process. I was impressed with the with, in terms of the game design. I love the character selection and the different body types that were available on the characters because I've always had an issue with games that don't offer the option to change body types in characters. Um, And there's a few big ones that I still have big issues with (laughs) for that. But I love that that part of it. But I love when you get to the end of the game, there are so many achievements to get and so many different ways to play through the story that I just thought was fascinating because it's so easy just to go through a one line, you know, a single player 
entire game and have it have the one outcome or three outcomes. But with the number of achievements you guys have, there are like, oh, I don't know, 40 different outcomes you could <laughs> potentially hit with how you play your game. And I think that that's a little genius. And we were, I remember working with our, our game designer, um, Naomi Clark, and our writer, Phoebe Harris Elefante. And, and they're much more, um, you know, they know the gaming world mm-hmm. much more than I do. I'm a documentary filmmaker. It was a steep learning curve for me. <laughs> but um, they, you know, we talked about, well, what kind of, you know, it's not a competition. There's no one right way to save the day. How can we articulate that in a, a game, you know, a nonlinear chronology? Right. And how can we demonstrate that there are are there are different ways not only to just play the game, but to play the game successfully and, you know, quote unquote, win. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, and the, and, be- and the way that achievements are designed, it doesn't, you know, you, you feel like you, you win at the end, you know, when you're successful or, you know, whatever outcome you have. But that's one of the things that I thought, you know, looking at the achievements and the different ones you could get. It's like, okay, I when I played through it, I was um, very open with telling my friends about what was going on. So I was very communicative. And then when I got to the end of the game, I saw, oh, there's an achievement for going through the entire game without telling anybody. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's great because that's like, oh, l- let's go through and do this. You know, if I had played it this one way before, let's see how it changes when I do it this other way. And then, you know, taking that a step further and applying that to life and as a as a tween or an adolescent when you're kind of coming into this, how do I deal with people and how do I talk with people? Being able to see just those two, you know, completely different ways it could have gone, I thought was one of the, one of the strengths of it as a game. Well, yeah, having that's... all those options yeah. is so important because I mean as you guys already said when you go out there and look at the kind of games they've got for adolescent girls they've got the choices between shoes and boyfriends yeah so sad and if and that's very confusing because they they feel like that everything is extremely limited as to what what their future holds right and I mean adolescence is about you know trying on different personas Mm -hmm. and, and acting in different ways in front of different kinds of groups of people (laughs) and we wanted to recognize that as well yeah yeah and have and have fun with it too yeah and yeah and it is it's fun I I felt like I was playing a game that was based on a choose your own adventure book that I had read when I was that age (laughs) which was a a wonderful nostalgic moment to have like oh this is fantastic I remember doing this before yeah that was definitely a big inspiration for Mm -hmm. us yeah yeah I could see that for sure and so you know we hope to we see it as an episode episodic and we hope to develop future episodes and really that would be great oh that's exciting that is really exciting that would be really great because there need to be more games you know I I was just reflecting on this and thinking about my own experience as at that age in the games I was playing you know I I was playing like the Atari you know and (laughs) and early you know Nintendo when I was you know 10 or 12 and and in that in that range and in high school we were playing Nintendo and you know you always had to play as Mario or Luigi so you know you didn't have choices in those games at all but part of me is kind of glad about that now because there weren't games at least not that that I had seen or that I played necessarily that were these browser based go find your shoes or pick out the best outfit or do all these kinds of things together games so I'm kind of glad that that wasn't part of my childhood memories of gaming because <laughs> it might have turned me off at that age so well you, at what point I mean I noticed that um, your documentary ha- 
uh, won some awards and you, they've been seen at some festivals. Did you, it, was there a point in time at which that it was getting noticed that it was building up momentum? How, how has it been received? Well, it's been, it has done pretty well. I think, I mean, we've played a lot of festivals. I guess I, I, I had an inkling going in that, um, it, at least for festivals, it, it, it had the potential to be kind of a popular film because it's, you know, it's a little bit of a crowd pleaser. You're, you're competing Mm. with documentaries that can oftentimes be, you know, about big tragedy and loss and Mm. and downers basically. And um, even though this film is critical of a lot of things, it's, you know, it's meant to be pretty uplifting and inspiring. Celebratory. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but you don't, yeah, you don't really know what form that's going to, take or or who's really going to respond to the film. I mean, one thing that I was ended up getting really just pleased by was how broad the audience was, you know, we would have, and and that extends to the kinds of festivals or screenings, community screenings you might play in. So, you know, obviously it would appeal to people just interested in comic books and, and, um, uh, superhero stuff, but it also appealed to feminists that were in, you know, the seventies feminist movement and it appealed to riot girls and it appealed to parents of daughters, particularly, and it appeals mm-hmm. to young women um, because they see themselves in a lot of the images and characters. And it has a big following with gay, the gay community, particularly gay men, because they, uh, a lot of them love Wonder Woman and (laughs) And Linda Carter in particular, in particular, Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. loves them back. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's, there's been just kind of this great broad reaction we get from audiences uh, who watch the film. And, and that's just, you know, as a filmmaker, you're, you're waiting films, these films take a long time to make documentary films. So it's like four years before you're going to have any interaction with your audience. It's very, you know, it's definitely not like being a musician where you can just play and get applause or reaction (laughs) right away. (laughs) So you're sort of just going on good faith all along that, you know, somebody's going to actually have a a response to your, your work uh, when you ultimately do finish it. Um, and so, of course, that experience, the audience interaction is is incredibly gratifying and, and why we ultimately do it. And it's it's been a really fun, fun ride. I had a, a great screening not too long ago at a Catholic girls school. It was like 400 ninth through 12th grade girls. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And they were uh, probably the most rapt audience I've ever had. <laughs> And, you know, then I've screened in even rural areas and, and, you know, you're, it's just always interesting what, what people walk away with and, and want, want to hear more about when I'm there, you know, mm-hmm. the kinds of questions they have directly for me. What, what are some of the questions that they've asked you or what are some like standout examples? Well, I mean, people always ask, you know, where did you come up with the idea? Mm-hmm. Um, people often volunteer their own Wonder Woman stories, <laughs> yes. story, you know, it's, it's always interesting to hear from younger people as they're kind of processing a lot of the information some of it going you know kind of going over their head or being way before their time right um but just sort of at the end kind of being like yeah you know you have a point there (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> women don't get portrayed, you know, in the same way as boys and men. <laughs> and just sort of, you know, it's their first aha moment around that kind of media literacy or, or mm-hmm. recognizing that you can even be critical of something that you might really like and get a lot out of. You can still, you know, understand that there's parts of it that you don't appreciate as well. Right, right. And take it all as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the good and the bad. Interesting. I love those moments. And I teach I teach media literacy a lot of the time in terms of uh, my writing courses. And we look and analyze advertisements. And I spend a lot of time pointing out to them um, how fragmented women's bodies are in advertisements. Mm. You see mm-hmm. hands or heads or torsos or legs. And you look at men in advertisements, and you don't generally see that. So being a big difference. And once you sort of lift the veil and they start looking for it, I've had students come back after a year after being out of my class and they're like, I can't look at an advertisement the same way anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, well, my work here is done. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, well, yeah. the the documentary is so exciting. Has has it led to any other ideas for your next film? Um, Certainly. I'm, you know, I'm always kind of trying to stretch myself as an artist and uh, do something different you know the film before this was a lot of verite and not very many formal interviews and and this had a lot of it has a pretty formal and it's very structured so I think I want to go to the next thing I want to do I want it to be a little bit looser (laughs) (laughs) um but I'm one thing I I had I have a one-year-old now so kind of in tandem with the film coming out my daughter was born and getting to know each other Oh. Um, so I've thought a lot about just kind of this idea of modern motherhood and mm. what it looks like and how it plays out in the media. Um, so that's kind of some some areas that I'm I'm researching right now. Cool. That, that's an awesome idea. I've got a, <laughs> a friend who's a writer, uh, Mary DeMuth, and she's written a couple of books on being a postmodern parent. Oh. It's a very interesting topic. Yeah, th- I think there's a lot of potential there. And and I think that's a nice evolution out of Wonder Woman as well. Because <laughs> there's a lot of moms who I, I know and respect and I think of as being Wonder Women with what they do. So Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also you know, in the way that my film touches on feminism, I think Mm -hmm. definitely how a woman chooses to be a mother today um, and the kind of balance that she's trying to make between maybe career and family and domesticity and, um, you know, sharing in household responsibilities like that is directly impacted by the feminist movement Mm -hmm. in the seventies and, and, um, it's almost like only now do we have the right distance to re- end the generational spans to to kind of call some of these things into question and to come up with ideas of well, what what should it look like? You know, what kinds of policies do we want around um, work, the workforce and motherhood? And, and, you know, it's an interesting moment because there's a lot of big CEOs, you know, that are women that are um, in the public eye. Mm-hmm. And the media is really paying a lot of attention to the things they say, and of course, the books they write. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. Well, as far as just looking at our media and our culture and and everything if you were to come up with 
just a theory right now, looking at the way girls are being raised in a modern family, do you see a, a more of an equality type attitude being taught to young girls? Do you, do you think that they are getting more opportunities to understand the breadth of their potential? Or do you think that's something we're still struggling with? I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering about what your theories are going into this film. It's definitely, you know, complicated equation to think about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there are a lot of things that young women take for granted um, that, you know, when you ask like my college age students, they don't even know that, you know, it was only 30 years ago that, you know, uh, certain laws around divorce um, made it in really difficult for the much more difficult for the woman to be granted one, to keep um, custody rights and to, you know, be in any kind of financial, um, a position, a good financial position, you know, they, they have kind of no idea just how recent um, a lot of the changes that they take for granted are. So mm -hmm. in those kinds of ways, they've, they've come a long way at the same time, like, you know, we have this whole hypersexuality that's going on in our pop mm. culture that I think is really impacting the way girls think about their and young women think about their bodies, um, the kinds of options they see for themselves. And then I think, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to make the game was, you know, we were looking at a lot of the research and articles coming out talking about how women are, are doing so well right now. They're, you know, in college in higher numbers than than men and they're, um, you know, in the workforce in, in great numbers. Um, but that there's sort of a, a cap on all that so that you don't get women in true leadership positions that are going to make a difference in terms of government, business, and media. And so, you know, why is that? I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but I think that until we see those kinds of changes in, in who are the leaders in governance and in media creations, um, we're not going to have a true equality. And I think we're pretty far from equality. And I think that there's a lot of ways in which boys and men are hurt by um, sexism mm, and inequality. Absolutely. You know, there's a there's a lot that can change. Um, and, and that I think it's been hard to kind of coalesce all that into a <laughs> movement that's going to motivate young women, um, that's going to allow them to understand, you know, what it means to be a feminist and why it's not not a horrible word and, yeah. and to, you know, have an interest in, in issues that relate to women and, and girls. Do, do you have with your students, because I find this with my students, they'll say, um, my female students will tell me that there's essentially no need for feminism anymore because they, they have all the equality that they need. Do, ah. do, do, yeah, you, more or less. Yeah, that, that's that's a basic idea that they kind of come out with the, the generation now. And I'm always like, really? So you still make 75% of what men make. And, and that's equal. <laughs> really kind of gross um message that is widely just by by younger people kind of taken as truth that like yeah we can do it all yeah yep and that our gender isn't a barrier to anything right yeah there's <laughs> nothing that stops us anymore so i don't i don't and need that, feminism, and that sexuality is empowering right you know, exactly which it can be definitely but yes. it can also be completely the opposite of that <laughs> yes, it can also be very confining and and lots of different things can happen and yes right. there's lots of consequences to these actions yeah i see that a lot with uh with my college students as well 
I don't need to be a feminist. We don't need this anymore. And I'm like, really? Well, it, Sorry. it's interesting, um, Christy, you mentioned something. It reminded me of an article that I saw. I believe it was in, no, I found it online. Gabrielle Toledano is an EAVP exec. And there was an article about talking to her about why there aren't more women in executive roles. And it was fascinating what her theory was. Um, I think we mentioned it on one of the previous shows. Mm-hmm. I'll send you the link. It's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Well, and, and she had a call, a, a call out to women. It's like, you know, you need to change your thinking and you need to stick to your guns. Yeah, it's interesting because there's kind of the same tension with women going into politics, you mm-hmm. know who are sort of visible on a community level and seen as leaders kind of declining to go into politics. Now there's a lot of reasons that there might very well be good not to go into politics. But, um, you know, I think that you see some kinds of the same things and that the, yeah, I mean, it becomes maybe about like the kind of sacrifice that you need to make, particularly in terms of family. And then you look at, well, we still live in a patriarchy and that's why Mm -hmm. the workforce changes, you know, women aren't going to want to be executives and politicians. And, and so, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that need to change so that it becomes not only more equitable, but, but something that is viable. Do you know what I mean? Like that? Yeah. Well, it's not a detriment (laughs) to her career. I mean, she's not penalized for it. Yeah. Well, this has been just an, an, I wish we had more time. I I do too. And I wish we had a call to action too. Let's see what we can tell people to do. (laughs) Well, there's some call to action um, items on your website, Christy. You know, I also just like, that's one question I get at the film too, is, you know, what what do we do? Like, it seems like, you know, how is this ever going to change? We still are fighting the same battles, um, especially in terms of just straight up media representation that we were 30 Mm -hmm. 30 years ago. So it kind of depends on where you want to put your energy. But I think that a lot of it has to do with our younger populations, you know, young women and men and, and teaching them about feminism. I think teaching girls about technology and being off authors and Mm -hmm. creators I think media literacy is really important to cultivate as people are just immersed in you know the internet and Facebook and films and games and television like that should be a language we teach (laughs) K-12 right they should have those skills that's you know more important sometimes than some of the other things I think we focus education on I say that as an educator Yeah. Yeah. And I think being more discriminating about what families view individually and what they play and what they read and also what they do together and Mm -hmm. and talk about their reactions to the roles that the males and the females have in those in the media. Mm -hmm. Right. And as a as a parent or a you know, an educator, you want to know what your students or kids are watching and their reactions to it. It's not a one-way dialogue, you know, where you just watch stuff and you don't have, you know, any kind of critical response. Like you should engage in that two-way dialogue about the kinds of things that your children or students are watching or Mm -hmm. the youth in your community are watching or even, you know, um, adults (laughs) for that matter. Mm -hmm. And, And also I, you know, one small thing, 
thing that I think is important is just to, you know, when there are strong female protagonists in films or games or books, when they're women directors, um, you know, to support those mm-hmm. works. Um, because it's it becomes sort of a box office um, a, a, just equation. If it does well enough, then, you know, there will be more things like it. Right. And so you want to make sure that, um, you know, you're vocal about supporting and that you're supporting with your pocketbook. And I've been kind of inspired by the amount of women and girls that attend cons now and, mm-hmm. and are kind of pushing back. And I think social media is great for that as well because, you know, you'll have a, a Batgirl stand up in the middle of a comic panel and, you know, just like question the authors about their choices, their sexist choices, or, you know, why they kill off characters that were empowering or change who they are. There's some kind of essentiality about who they are. You know, that you can have this kind of talk back with the people that are making the, the kind of stuff that you like, whether it's games or comic books or films or whatever and and they have to listen to you because you're the audience and they and you're um you know they're you're their clients yeah definitely i agree i agree yeah we i, I love girls at cons <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome to, to see so many women and so many empowered women at cons oh i I may have to send you a picture. I saw the absolute best Wonder Woman cosplay. I told you about Regina. She mm-hmm. was a um, a steampunk Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Absolutely gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. Nice. Mm. That yeah, sounds she was, cool. Yeah, it does. yeah, she was beautiful. Yeah. Well, we really, really appreciate Christy, and we encourage everybody to go out and watch the documentary. I watched it again today. <laughs> I, I, I had to buy the DVD. <laughs> yeah, it, DVD now. <laughs> it's available on Amazon, and it, it's it's easy to get and share it with the women in your life. It's it's very empowering, and it's a fun film. It's just it's just fun. Check out our website for any links to get to Christy and her information and we appreciate her being with us today. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. This is a blast. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for coming on. Well, we want to wrap up what we've been doing this week, how we've been geeking out with what we're watching, reading, and playing. Regina, what have you been watching this week? I've been watching a Netflix original series, and this is the first one of their original series that I've watched. I've come to discover that Netflix knows me pretty well now. Um, You know, we've been hanging out for a couple years you know, had a few years of, of, of time spent and uh, some ratings of, of things that I've watched. And so their suggestions are pretty right on now for me, which is pretty cool because sometimes I'll be like, I don't know what to watch. And so this suggestion came up to watch Orange is the New Black. Have you heard anything about it? Um, I actually haven't heard anything about it, but because I do have Netflix, I have definitely been seeing the trailers. Right. And you watched the first episode? I watched the first episode, yeah. Okay, yeah. you have to tell me what you think because I am not the least bit interested in it. Yeah, you know, I, it's not the kind of thing that I thought I would be interested in either, but it had popped up several times in my, you know, things Regina might like category, and I was like, okay, well, this doesn't really look like me. But I decided to watch it and give it a chance, and it's got some really, really good writing and oh. really 
really interesting characters. And those are always, as I, I've said before, when we've talking about this, you know, what are you watching? What are you playing? You know, segment. Those are those are big considerations for me. Yeah. One of the other things is Jane Mulgrew is in it, is in the series. Oh. Just the the caliber of production. Like I kind I, I I hate to be kind of a snob about this, but my thought was I'm like, oh Netflix is producing a show. Okay whatever but it's the caliber of production the caliber of the acting the direction the you know the characters and the way you know they present the characters in the first episode i'm i'm ready for more oh wow I really, okay I'm ready to i'm, I'm ready for more i really i really i was surprised too because it was really not something that i i really thought i would be interested in but i'm i'm ready to see more of it and to see where they take it because it's i'm just intrigued by the whole the whole prospect and it has laura prepon who was uh donna in that 70s show oh it's yeah, one, yeah 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 I remember uh, yes yeah she's mm-hmm. one of the main characters as well and i love her she has dark hair in this which is kind of trippy but you yeah know. she's always changing her hair yeah <laughs> Well, now, were you ever a fan of Weeds? I was a fan of Weeds, yep, yep. It's, okay. It's the same creator, Genji Kohan. Oh, that's funny. It's the same creator as Weeds. And um, okay. and I didn't realize that until um, I actually started watching the second episode, and I was like, oh, look, created by. This is interesting. I hadn't right. I hadn't anticipated this. So I can definitely give that a very a very strong recommendation for you to check it out. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, I, mean, I mentioned Weeds only because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's a lot like Weeds. Right. Yeah, it is. That's hilarious. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's got that same kind of storytelling dynamic too. And there's a lot of play um, between, you know, the basic premise of the, of the show, I should, I should describe is, um, you know, a woman uh, gets caught for a crime that she committed like 10 years prior. Um, She gets turned in and ends up having to serve something like 18 months in a woman's correctional facility. And it's a work facility. So they do the work of the, of running the prison, they cook in the kitchens and they clean and all that kind of stuff. That's all, that's all prisoners do all of that work. And, um, and so it, it flashes back and forth between her current life, you know, it starts out that she's, you know, the next day she's having the dinner, like her farewell dinner with her best friend and her husband or her fiance. They're not actually married yet. Who is Jason Siegel, who's from um, American Pie. American Pie, yes. So some pretty high level actors. Just yeah. So they're having their dinner, their sort of goodbye dinner, and she's getting ready to turn herself in for this term. So once she's in, uh, once she gets locked up and she turns herself in, then there's like flashbacks to her life previous and to the life she was leading when she committed the crime, to, compared to you know the life she was leading when she had to turn herself in because her life is completely different. Hmm. So That's complicated. It is very complicated, but it's but it flows like the the way that they edited and, and uh, directed it and kind of put it together. Together, it really works so I can I can highly recommend it yeah well good for them because if they're the, uh, when I said complicated I meant complicated to write yeah oh no doubt <laughs> no mm, doubt and goodness. especially the way they weave it because that's all little segments you get little pieces of her history you know through it and so you know as you're kind of arcing through it I can only imagine like how it's going to evolve from there so yeah like okay. I said it was not something that I would be interested in so yeah because I had already written it all <laughs> yeah and and that's easy to do especially with uh, like I said I wasn't really sure what to expect with a Netflix series um, but I have high expectations now so well I, I think there was another Netflix series that I watched and I've been I've been fairly impressed with the series that Netflix has produced. I think it well it was arrested development. I think it it was all um there have been some other ones mm-hmm. and Amazon has done some and I've been pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. I you know yeah, I like doing that too. Yeah, yeah, that they've got few more restrictions on, you know, production. Right. 
and they're able to be a little more creative that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like one of the reasons why I love web series so much because yeah, you, they can be aimed at such a, a specific audience because it's, you know, web-based. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because I, I think I'm just getting extremely pessimistic about <laughs> trying new shows because I tried two new one, two other ones this week. And I'm sorry, Toria, I just don't think that our taste runs <laughs> in the same vein. Because last time, I think I slammed Austin Land, mm-hmm. and um, I gave Orphan Black a try this week because Toria mentioned it. And I didn't get very far, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, and I feel like I've got the entire series figured out. Oh, I hate that. It was just, it was really dull. It couldn't keep me keep my attention um, visually it was attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way it was filmed, um, visually and it definitely set, I think the kind of mood it was after, mm-hmm. but really I just feel like I figured everything out. Oh. The other one I tried, I just happened to have seen an ad for it and it's actually in its second season is Perception. Oh, um, my friend Amy has been, has been getting on me about watching Perception. Yeah, I watched the pilot and one of the main reasons is because of, um, Eric McCormick. Mm-hmm. And that's usually a lot of reasons why I go to some shows is because of the actors. Yeah, I'm the same and, way. Yeah. And I'm, I'd be interested to hear whether or not that the series gets better because the pilot was horrible. <laughs> it was, uh, Regina, you would just hate it because it was nothing but cliche mm-hmm. after cliche after cliche. It, it was the laziest writing mm-hmm. I have ever seen. Yeah. And it just made me so incredibly sad because Eric McCormick, you could tell, was putting everything he had into it. Mm, yeah. He, he was doing a quality job. And I was trying to think of an analogy today, uh, you know, it, of a high quality person in a just extremely underrated, uh, immature situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just... I felt bad for him. Oh, that's too bad. I finished watching it because he was so good. Right, right. Versus Orphan Black, where I just turned it off. Right. Well, if it got a second season, then the chances are it it either hit a nerve with all of its cliches or it it improved. So yeah, and I should have gotten the um, the name of the actress who's playing opposite him. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in, um, I forget that teen movie, which she was in with Freddie Prinz. She's just the worst person they could have possibly cast <laughs> for that role. Um, I don't have a problem with her, but she is wrong for that role. Mm. Um, it is, it is not the right, I, I don't think it's the right, pers- uh, character they want to present opposite of him. Mm-hmm. It's just totally wrong. Right. So that, that's a big, big failure. But yeah. anyway, so I fell back on and you will be very happy to hear my favorite reality TV show. What? What? Wait, 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 wait. Yep. Wait. Okay. I do not watch a lot of reality TV. I watch very little, very, you know, episodic times in my life where I watch real- reality TV. The summer tends to be one of them because I'm ta- literally taking a vacation. So even in my TV watching, <laughs> I can feel some of the brain cells that I have spent an inordinate amount of money on educating melted away <laughs> when I watch reality TV. And you have given me the worst time about that. <laughs> you! And you well, have a favorite reality show? Yeah. Ro, I don't know. Just one. <laughs> Just one. I absolutely love Project Runway. Oh, really? The model yes. show. 
Mm-hmm. No, not models. That's not models? I thought Project... Oh, Project yeah. One Way is the, the clothing one. Fashion design. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can yeah. see where that would hit your artistic... Yeah. Your artistic I just... Tendencies. I love watching people solve creative problems. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I really have no time or energy to spend on their little dramas and, and all of that. Right. I usually... I just... I cut in to watch them creatively solve problems, and I love seeing the results. And I believe they've started season 12 on Lifetime, and I watched the first episode of that and went out to Lifetime's website and was lucky enough to find some of their previous seasons mm. out there. And I haven't seen it since they were on Bravo. Mm. So I started watching season nine. <sighs> I just love it. I, nice. I, I get so many ideas um, just inspired by um, color and patterns and the way people see things. Mm-hmm. It's just, but yeah, that's my reality show shame. Have you, um, I can't remember the name of it now, but there's a, there's a similar one, but it's focused on, um, on making costumes. And, yes. And FX. FX. Yes. FX. Oh my God, that is so good. And that, that one I watched in a motel room somewhere um, and traveling and I caught an episode of it and I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. And then I never was able to kind of catch back up on it. But um, but I loved watching that because for the same reason, like the artistic um, interpretations and all the different yeah. kinds of, you know, things angles that they took with the characters that they were creating and that's so geeky it almost doesn't feel like a you know it's not a guilty pleasure because it's geeky enough (laughs) well what are you reading i'm still reading you hear my accent coming through i do i kind of like you reading when you're reading (laughs) i try not to do that i think it's all right Uh, I'm reading still the third book in the Immortal series by Tamara Prince, um, Tamara Pierce, sorry, um, the Emperor Mage, uh, continuing the story of Dane, our um, our wild magic animal speaker, and um, it's it's continuing to be a great read as as I feel about most of um, Pierce's books. Uh, I'm really liking one one of the the very subtle themes that's emerging from this story that I only just started picking up on in the last couple of scenes that I've read because you know it's young adult fiction so I think about the ideas and concepts that are being communicated to young adults as I'm reading and one of the things that's really important is that Dane is kind of coming to grips with these bad guys these immortals that look human but have metal metallic bird wings um they're called storm wings and they they feed on the dead of war so essentially their purpose is to consume those who die in war and they've shown up in the in the realm because of a breach that was pulled between two realities and so now they're here and they're generally bad guys but she's starting to have some empathy and understand them a little bit more and understand that they might not all be as bad as she once thought they were and i thought that was another really interesting theme to be bringing into young adult fiction that idea no, it's, a, it's a very good thing yes that, that idea of not, not everything is what it looks like and your perceptions may not be everything that you think that they are. And you really should, you know, slow down and talk to people and get to actually know them before you pass judgment on who they are and what their, you know, motives are. And it's been really interesting to kind of watch that emerge in her character because she has a really strong reaction to them because, I mean, everybody would. They're, you yeah. know, immortals who feed on death, essentially. So, and who smell bad and have metal feathers that can, you know, slice and cut you open, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know. 
there's lots of reasons not to like them, but now she's got this one character that she's interacting with and that she's getting to know a little bit more and her perceptions are starting to change. And that's a really interesting process to watch for her. And the growth, I think, is really important. And again, like I said, an important theme for young adults. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it, especially depending on how, how they're being raised. It's right. nice to introduce that idea of diversity. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and it's an important theme for adults as well because there's plenty of adults who carry their <laughs> yeah. their biases right along with them into into adulthood. So, um, it's a, you know, not to diminish it as a theme by saying it's for young adults, but it is a time when those those ideas start to come sort of to the forefront for you. So it's been it's been fun. It's 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 great. I can't say more about Tamara Pierce and her inner series in general. But I think this one is actually emerging now as maybe my favorite. <laughs> I was actually thinking about going back and reading the first one that I read, which was about Alana, the uh, the first female knight, which I absolutely adore. But now comparing it to Dane, I'm not sure I'm like, I love that one. But wow, this one's really reaching me in a different way. So <laughs> I might have to go compare notes. That's pretty good, though, that she's able to do that through multiple characters yeah exactly exactly and through multiple series where you know and it takes a different kind of big idea that she's communicating through each one and i love that so yeah so what are you what have you been reading well i'm not vacation is over (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not blazing through as many books as as i was um after finishing um austin land I picked up Poppet by Mo Hader. It's a book I saw again in Entertainment Weekly and read the reviews about. It was a thriller, mm-hmm. and that's something I'm, I'm I really enjoy. And I haven't read a really good one in a long time. It is a much meatier book than anything I've read in a while mm. uh, since I've read Guy. I can never remember his name. I'm so sorry, Guy. <laughs> Because he's uh, such a wonderful writer, it is is definitely a good thriller. I am I am completely enthralled with it. It's got me on on every aspect. Uh, you know the book is good if you're reading it and you're casting the movie. <laughs> And oh, I, awesome. I can see these people now. I can, I can mm-hmm. see the aspects that are coming out. They're building up just enough suspense so that when I was reading it last night, mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't read this before bed. And <laughs> yeah. that doesn't happen very often. That's actually why I generally don't read thrillers is because most of my reading time is right before I go to sleep. And I like to read things that <laughs> yeah, it don't did, upset me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't usually doesn't really bother me but this is it's got me in the story mm-hmm. i'm just not reading the words i'm right. in the story and so i'm uh experiencing the mood i'm experiencing mm-hmm. the environment she's setting up just some really great imagery and everything smells and textures and nice. and people i mean i can Good see detail. um there's uh it's set in an insane asylum for now mm-hmm. um i believe that part of the later in the story goes out Outside of the asylum, mm-hmm. but right now everything is being established inside the uh, it's insane asylum. Of course, it's an extreme group of uh, patients. Mm-hmm. The um, director is going to be pl- uh, the director of the uh, asylum. Okay. is going to be played by Meryl Streep. <laughs> And awesome. that doesn't even describe anything to you because she's such a great character yeah, actress. Yeah, she can do pretty even, much anything. She so, can do anything. Yeah. Um, but I can see Sam Rockwell or Paul Giamatti playing uh, the senior nursing coordinator. Mm. 
And that gives you an idea if you can put them in sort of a, a, a cheap suit, but being uh, extremely empathetic characters mm-hmm. um, and them playing opposite uh, a strong professional mm-hmm. black and white kind of director yeah. in Meryl Streep. Yeah. Anyway, that's how much fun I'm having with the story. Nice. So, and I'm just nice. gotten started. Yeah, cool. Oh, I might have to check that out. And so what are you playing? Uh, I haven't had a whole lot of time in the last uh, in the last week to play, but I, I did hear hit like a major milestone for me um, with one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, let me guess. <laughs> well, that's actually hard to guess. Which one is it? Uh, it's Bejewel Blitz. Ah, uh, yeah. And I have now been um, inducted into the Millionaires Club. Whoa. So I have scored over a million points in less than one minute. <laughs> oh, I can't even imagine that. And you know I can't because I'm so bad at Gems with Friends. <laughs> well, Gems with Friends takes a... I, it, Gems with Friends has a huge learning curve, which I've, okay. uh, you know, tried to, to, to hopefully, I feel bad about, about suggesting Gems with Friends to you now. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> because I know you disliked it so much, but um, it's got a, it's got a really high learning curve, uh, Gems with Friends. It takes a lot to, to kind of get the hang of it and to really figure out how to play the board um, and to get those like high scores. And I still don't get like, pr- you know, outrageously high scores on it. I just enjoy the, the logicking out. It's it sort of it takes Bejeweled to another step where you have to like, you know, add things up and, and, and play the board more strategically. You know, Bejeweled is nothing about strategy. You don't have to think. It's actually better yeah. if you're not thinking yes. <laughs> to play it well. And they have um, they have built into the, um, the web browser version uh, that I play through Facebook um, actually has, you know, for this, this Millionaires Club, they actually have it set up where there is a button for you to do a screen capture of your leaderboard. Um, and then you email that to Beju- to PopCap, and then they put you on the Millionaires Club list. So that's cool. And then they enter you to win like a million coins or something like that. Everybody you know in it that week gets a chance to win a million coins, which is a nice little bonus. Yeah. Um, but oh, I that's really nice. I, yeah, I thought it was a really nice touch. I thought it was really nice that it was right there. You didn't have to like fumble around with trying to figure out how to do it. It just you know you press a little camera icon. It takes a picture of just your leaderboard, not even of the screen itself, but just of the leaderboard. And oh, then okay. you email that off to them and I thought that was that was pretty handy so and it also put me at the top of my leaderboard for the week so <laughs> that's always satisfying <laughs> oh, Gina had a good week <laughs> yes. top for vigil blitz I can at least say that about myself <laughs> well I revisited a game that I already have nothing new I um of trying to set up uh, play dates with my friends for uh, Left 4 Dead 2. Oh, I love Left 4 Dead 2. We've been trying to do it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we finally got a game off last weekend, and it is so much fun, and it's so much fun more fun with a group mm-hmm. oh no yeah it's it's not a fun game solo like it's not fun to play it by yourself or yeah, very stressful. you need four actual players yeah. <laughs> or you're dying a lot and it's just not fun yeah. yeah um but i was doing it partly in preparation because time is getting close for um extra life in oh, november yeah, yeah. and i think that's what we had talked about yeah. um you and I offline, I don't mm-hmm. think we mentioned anything on the show about uh, Game on Girl doing an extra life gaming on Steam and playing Left 4 Dead 2, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I can totally... 
totally be down with that. I actually um, just started negotiations today to uh, to build a new gaming rig for myself. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> because I, I have a gaming laptop that I've used for um, probably about the last five years. And I actually had to put new hard drives in it a couple months ago because one of the hard drives was completely corrupted and I kept losing my game stuff, which was just not cool. It's also the computer I use to record the podcast. And so um, I needed to have it be solid. Now it has solid state hard drives. So it's, you know, it's not in, in bad shape, but I don't have a lot of flexibility with it. And I don't have, I have a decent graphics card, but not a high end gaming graphics card. So I'm, I'm starting the plans to actually build a gaming rig that I want to start to use to stream with. So yeah, that kind of works right into this, doesn't it? Yeah. Cause I mean, five years old is ancient. It is. It really is. It's, it's, you know, it's, and it was a gaming, it's a gaming laptop. It's a very, you know, decent decent you know rig but it's 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 done its life for me it saw me through all of the the dissertation gaming i did all the wow gaming i did for the dissertation and uh, dungeons and dragons online and you know it's it's done its it's walk the walk for me so a new gaming rig if anybody would like to donate parts <laughs> video yeah. cards or hard drives or motherboards or cases or power sources or anything like that for regina to get a new gaming rig please email me at regina at gameongirl.com <laughs> yeah, we got we got to set you up, girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's time for me to have to have a, a computer that I can do some serious streaming with and some serious gaming with. I need to I need to make the next the next step in that. Cool. But my commitment was that I was going to have to game every day if I did do this. So that's another another commitment. I will have to use it daily for gaming. So oh, hope you can do it. <laughs> yes, but but there was a, a caveat in there that if if I played Bejeweled Blitz. That would still count. <laughs> oh, wow. You're shooing. That's not I much know. of a challenge at I all. Know. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Yes, yes. Well, we'd love to hear what's exciting, fun, and new in your week of geek. Just let us know. All of our social media links are on our website, gameongirl.com. You've been listening to Game on Girl. You can find all our social media contacts on our website at GameOnGirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at Row Room. That's R-H-O. R-H-O-O-M. Email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter and Steam. Many, many, many thanks to Christy for coming on the show today and talking about her fabulous documentary, Wonder Women, and her prospective new documentary and all kinds of fantastic stuff. If you haven't checked out Wonder Women, go online and watch because you're seriously missing out. And the same goes for if you haven't played Wonder City. Go play because it's just really fantastically fun, engaging, excellent storytelling in a very simplistic but deep way. And it's free to play, right? It's totally free to play. It's, you yeah. Know. And the documentary you can rent on Amazon for just $4. Nice. You can rent. I didn't know you could rent it on Amazon. That's fantastic. So you can yeah. do that. Yeah. And you can buy our DVD and we'll have links on the webpage with this post to, to check out and, uh, and get a hold of her DVD as well. Because, you know, as we say at the end of the episode, supporting female directors and female sort of centered and focused projects is really important thing to do. So we get more of them. <laughs> so show your support. 
support with your money where you can. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website at GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, who makes all of us sound fantastic, and we thank him so much for that. And the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening, and until next time, game on!